0: Well, good morning, Northeast, and I hope you've managed to find somewhere high and dry over the past few days. Let's get into it straight away. Psalm 27. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and gaze on the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple." Well, that psalm was written by David, who wrote the 23rd Psalm, and of course the 23rd Psalm has been the focus of our series, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. David knew what it was like to have enemies, and in Psalm 27 he talks about the wicked advancing against him to devour him, and an army besieging him, and war breaking out against him. He knew what that was all about. But what I find incredible in that psalm is in verse 4 where he says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. He could have said that God wipes out my enemies. Or he could have said the one thing I want, Lord, is to strengthen my army so I can defeat the enemies. Or he might have said, Lord, the one thing I want more than anything is that you would protect the city and my family. There are so many things he could have asked. But he says, the one thing that I seek is that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life in order to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord. See, David knew that when our focus is on God, God will take care of everything else. Imagine this, two young people falling in love. They're out for a meal at a restaurant. They're spellbound with each other, gazing into each other's eyes. There's stars in their eyes. There's lots of cute little smiles and giggles. They don't even notice that their food is getting cold. They're not aware of the crying child sitting at the adjacent table. They've got no idea how many people are in the restaurant. They don't notice when the waiter drops a plate. And it could be that everyone else has left and they're the only two in that whole building apart from the staff who are cleaning up and trying to give them a hurry up to get out. They're more than just gazing into each other's eyes. They're captivated by one another. Now, perhaps that's a little bit fanciful, but it makes a point that when our attention is captivated, By something or someone, what's happening around us in our peripheral vision goes unnoticed. And when our focus is on God, when we're captivated by His presence, what's happening around us isn't what is directing our thoughts and our reactions and our feelings and our behaviors. Louis Giglio says. One of the strongest things we can do to prevent the enemy from sitting at our table is to be completely transfixed on the host who was sitting at the table with us. A few weeks ago when Joel was leading, he referred to the words of an old hymn. And those words are very applicable and relevant to the message today. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace." So how do we get to that point? What does it mean to be captivated by his presence? To focus on him and not the storms around us? Is it just a fanciful scenario like the two lovers in the restaurant? Can we really be captivated by his presence? Well, do you know that many watching today would give a resounding yes to that? It's not a fanciful situation. We can be captivated by him. But it's up to us. Let me ask this question. Have you ever been captivated by something where you found it hard to turn away? Your gaze was just transfixed on this thing. I had an experience a number of years ago. When a group from our church went hiking on the Milford Track on the South Island of New Zealand. Now, the Milford Track basically is walking up one valley and up a big mountain pass called McKinnon Pass and then down another valley. It's about a four day walk. I'd read about the track, especially about the McKinnon Pass. It sounded like it was a really lovely place to be. A little bit dangerous. They have an emergency survival shelter on that pass. Three of them had blown away. The fourth one is built to the same specifications used to construct buildings in Antarctica, and it is still there. But when we climbed up to the top of McKinnon Pass, it was the most amazing place, and it captivated me. The, The weather was perfect. The sky was blue, but there were fluffy white clouds and even though the pass itself is high, there are mountain peaks that are higher, and there was snow on those mountain peaks around there. We could see views back down the long valley that we'd walked up for a few days. And we could see views down the valley that we we're about to walk to continue our journey. It was really, really lovely. And maybe you've been captivated by something similar. Uh, out in nature, perhaps at a lookout or a mountaintop or somewhere special. Or maybe even a sunrise or a sunset Or perhaps inside, at an art gallery, at an incredible work of art, or at a photographic exhibition, maybe even captivated by a ballet. But whatever it is that captivated you, there's one thing in common with all of those things, and that is that we've had to position ourselves in order to be captivated by that thing. We've had to make the effort to get there. It took a lot of effort to get to the Milford track and climb up to McKinnon's Pass. Even before carrying that hiking pack for four days, there was planning, there was some training, arranging flights, transport, working out what we were going to need. There was so much to do in preparation. Not to mention being properly equipped for the uncertain weather of the South Island of New Zealand. We were told it wasn't a matter of if it rains when you're on the track, but when it rains when you're on the track. Now, maybe it doesn't take quite as much effort to get to the art gallery, but we still have to make some kind of effort in order to position ourselves in front of that captivating artwork. But think about this the effort's not required by God, God doesn't need to change anything about Himself for us to be transfixed by His presence. He's far more captivating than the best artwork or the most incredible scene in nature. He doesn't have to try and enhance himself to make himself more appealing to us. He's already perfect, and even those in the Bible who try to describe God and his glory find that their words are insufficient. No, it's not that God has to step up and position himself or improve himself. It's for us to position ourselves so we can be transfixed His face. I want to give two clues this morning, and only two. I know most people speaking have three points, but there's only two this morning that help us to position ourselves so that we can be captivated by the presence of the Lord and keep the enemy from gaining a place at our table. And the first clue is this we have to position ourselves to know Him better. Think back to those two young lovers at the restaurant. I wouldn't want to eavesdrop, but I can guarantee they're not talking about football, or how much rain we've had over the past few days. Their conversation is about each other. They want to get to know each other, and that's what captivates them. There are different levels of knowing someone. All of you watching this morning know of me. My name is Graham. I'm part of the North Lake Salvos and I'm on the teaching team. As well as knowing of me, some of you know about me. I'm married to Jane. I work for a Christian school. I have three adult children. two of them are married so I have a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law. One of my children still lives at home. I have two grandsons. I like to cycle. And apart from walking the Milford Track, over the years I've done another a number of other multi-day hikes. I like an adventure. I must prefer early mornings rather than late nights. So some of you know of me and about me, but then others really know me. What is it that really makes me happy? What do I struggle with? How am I likely to respond in a certain situation? How do I relate to others? What are my hopes for the future? What kind of adventures do I like? What do I think about various issues? And of course, that's the same with anyone. We might know of them, or about them, or really know them. And of course, it's the same for God. We can know of God, have a general awareness We can know about God, some facts and figures and a bit about him in the Bible, or we can really enter into his presence and get to know him and understand his heart, understand his desire for us, understand his incredible love. Louis Giglio says, When it comes to knowing God, he invites you not to settle for surface knowledge, He invites you to a deep and personal knowledge of him, where you can explore his grace, his love, his mercy, his immensity, his purity, his holiness and his power. You can know how he helps you, how he never fails you, how he works out all things for good, how he's full of wisdom, how he's rich in counsel, how he never changes, how he is always everywhere, yet can love you individually. How he's full of justice, how God is kind, how God is gracious, how God is infinitely beautiful and powerful and glorious. God wants to be known by you, and you can know as much about him as you have the appetite and desire to know. To know Him, not just of Him or about Him, is to be captivated by Him. There's a few things that can help us to know God. One is to really get into the Word of God. And just like we have to position ourselves to be captivated by whatever it is that's got our attention, we have to make the time and position ourselves to get into the Word of God. I know I've emphasised this time and again over the years when I'm speaking, but it is so important to get into the Word of God. Psalm 119 verse 18 says, Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. The instructions being the Word of God. In there there's truths about God, His attributes, His love, His faithfulness, His unfailing grace and mercy. We can know God incredibly well through reading his word. Another way to get to know God is through the person of Jesus. In John 14 Jesus says, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So if we learn more of Jesus, we're actually learning more about God as well. Jesus of course healed the sick. He ate with the outcasts. He called the young children to him. He forgave the sinners. He noticed the lonely and reached out to them. He preached the good news. He showed the way to heaven and gave his life in love for us. Louis Giglio reminds us that thanks to Jesus, there are no barriers to us knowing God. And of course, the Holy Spirit also helps us to get to know the Father. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 we read, but it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Ask the Spirit to reveal more of God to you. The Spirit understands God and dwells with us so that your experience of God will go beyond understanding and knowledge. So that first point is to position ourselves to know Him better. The second point needs a bit of explanation. It's to position ourselves on the balcony. Let me explain what I mean. There's a leadership concept that I think is very applicable to us all. And the idea is that at times we're on the dance floor. We're with the people, we're mixing, we're mingling, we're enjoying, we're bumping into them, and we're part of the whole gang. But at other times, a leader has to step up onto the balcony, so to speak, and watch the dance from above to get a perspective of what's happening to review what's going on and make some changes, and to plan the next move and to give some direction. And I think that's relevant to us all in our lives. At times we have to consciously just step aside and think through what is happening in our life, perhaps in an area of finance, or, or maybe to do with family, or our homes, or our health and our well-being or our career. And we also need to step aside and give thought to our life with God our our ongoing spiritual formation and growth we need to think through that and when we are ask ourselves how am i aware of god's presence because of course god is always present though coming into his presence is a common expression in our worship we're actually in his presence all the time what we do is move into a deeper awareness of his presence at that moment. And our eyes at times can be blinded to see how God is working in a situation, his glory already being revealed in a situation. And when we're on the balcony, thinking through that, thinking through what's happening in our life, we ask him to open our eyes so that we can see that he is already present. he's working in the situation, and we can see his glory in the situation. Think of things that you might face, a health issue or a problem at work or a tough family situation, perhaps loneliness or conflict you have with someone. God is already present in those situations. And if we take a moment to step on the balcony and look at those situations from a different perspective, we can see how his glory is being revealed already. To step out of that daily hustle for a time and look more reflectively on life and see that God is present and at work. And while you're on the balcony look at the big looking at the big picture, think about what is it that's going through your mind. Is it the truth about God? Is it the truth about a situation? Psalm 100 verse 5 reminds us that the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. That's the truth of God, and the truth of a situation. If our attention is focused on the truth of God, you'll get to know him more, and discover that your gaze is on him. The enemy will find it hard to take a seat at the table. If what you're thinking about something really is trash, That's a different story. Perhaps you're thinking, well, this is a hopeless situation. God even himself couldn't fix this. There's no way out. I could never be forgiven or I could never forgive that person. I've failed God. I'm not good enough. I don't have a purpose. That's all trash. And if our attention is focused on the trash, not only are you allowing the enemy a seat at your table, you're actually going to find a spare chair and make space for him and allow him to take that spot how can we ever be captivated by god when we're too busy finding faults with our own lives or in those of others so position ourselves to know god better position ourselves on the balcony to see how god is already at work and present in a situation and whether our thinking is truth or trash as I conclude, I want to head back to the McKinnon Pass in New Zealand. You know, when I got there, I wasn't in a hurry to leave. And I did all I could to linger as long as possible. Some of the group got to the top of MacKinnon Pass, had a look around and kept on going. But I knew that once we left, the experience would be downgraded to just a memory and photos. So a few of us had lunch and took our time. While others went on ahead, and we were the last to leave. But our experience of God never has to be downgraded to just a memory of something that happened long time ago. It was good, but it's not recent. Our experience of God can be and should be frequent, and when it is, we best position ourselves to be captivated in His presence. Remember what Louis Giglio said? One of the strongest things we can do to prevent the enemy from sitting at our table is to be be completely transfixed on the host who is sitting at the table with us. And the words of David, The one thing I ask from the Lord is to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. I came across this prayer, and I'd like to pray it now as we finish. God, you are good. Your steadfast love endures forever. Even in the hardest seasons, I always have a reason to worship you. Thank you for giving me victory and abundant life in Jesus Christ. Although I don't deserve it, you shower me with unconditional love and forgiveness. So no matter what the future may hold, I will shout for joy because you are with me. You comfort me and bless me in the presence of my enemies. Nothing compares to you, and no weapon can stand against you. In all things, I am more than a conqueror through you. Be glorified through me, God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart bless your name. I want to bring you praise all my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'll see you next week face to face.